welcome to this episode of Cargo Facts Connect, the podcast of Cargo Facts, the newsletter of record for the air cargo and freighter aircraft industries for over 40 years. I'm your host, Andrew Krieger, Associate Editor of Cargo Facts. And I'm Robert Luke, Associate Editor at Cargo Facts. And I'm Jeff Lee, Editor of Cargo Facts. I want to begin today with something that just hit our wire. Uh, it's South Korea-based manufacturing company, Kalu. Jeff, is that correct? Yes, uh, I'm not quite sure how it's supposed to be pronounced, but um, basically this this company called Kalum, um, which was previously uh, operating under a different name, and actually it seemed like their whole business was was different um, and not involved in the aviation industry at all. Um, in fact, they were previously doing uh, what looks like manufacturing of uh, energy equipment, machinery, and other kind of heavy industries, stuff like that. But they're getting into the aviation industry now. Yes. Interestingly, it looks like um, they do want to kind of make inroads or at least grow their presence in uh, aviation because they, um, we saw some local reports, didn't we, that they are now, well, they've signed um, some kind of agreement with uh, an airline in South Korea called High Air um, to basically convert um, some ATR 72500s. Um, so, I mean, there's various interesting aspects to this. Um, of course, the first being. Is this group more or less like a logistics company that's now getting into the air operations side of the uh, freight handling? No, it's uh, no. I mean, it's, it's really not because. Um, basically, this this company, um, like I said, was previously involved in just general manufacturing. Um, and on the other side, this airline, High Air, was previously only, I mean, they're not big to begin with. They have th- only three ATR 72500s, but they were only doing passenger flights. And so now, um, if this whole thing goes through, High Air will uh, basically they hope to have up to six um, ATR 72500 conversions. And um, it sounds like they're going to, um, well, the, these conversions are going to be um, carried out by Kalum. But what we don't know is what STC is this? What conversion is this? Um, you know, Given the and time. then also, where are they going to fly this? Uh, are they going to just fly on the normal routes that High Air currently serves, or are they expanding out into different territories? Well, Andrew, you can answer this, can't you? They are going to be attacking routes, as uh, the, my interpretation of the press release uh, uh, <laughs> came about. Their, their, their origin is in Korea, obviously, but they're looking into serving both the Japanese and then Chinese markets as well, which I, I, I think is an impressive feat, uh, not having flown the route my, myself, but to accomplish both of those with an ATR platform is certainly interesting. Well, I mean, China is just a very, very short hop, um, depending where, but I mean, there are places in China that are very, very close to um, South Korea. And of course, you know, Japan is is on the other side in the other direction. But um but no, it is interesting because uh, a because they're a small airline, um, and also going back to the SDCs, you know, get the high air, I think expects um, that first free to to join early next year, and 
you know, given what we know about certification timelines and all that, that, that doesn't seem to me to suggest that this is a new, unless they've been developing it secretly for, you know, for a while. Um, I Which don't is possible. Think it's possible, but I, I, yeah, I don't know. I did try to ask um, Aerocansay, which of course is uh, one of the STC holders for um, ATR con conversions, freighter conversions. They didn't seem to be aware of this, so uh, you know it could either be um, one of the other STC holders, of course, the other major one being IPR conversions, and they do have the large cargo door um, STC, in fact, the only one. Uh, so we'll see, but um, generally speaking, I mean, yeah, Kalum uh, is not a company that I've heard of before, and so if um, this goes through, then um, we'll either have uh, some new conversion lines popping up in South Korea, um, or, you know, well, yeah, it's just the general growth in, in that country for greater um, conversions. Uh, and, you know, we also uh, wrote about uh, Jeju Air um, earlier this year. I mean, they're also uh, a new entrant into the freighter op operating space um, in South Korea because they were previously um, they're larger than higher and they, they have a passenger, they're a low cost carrier with 737s on the passenger side, but now they have one um, 800 BCF. Um, so it's, yeah, it's it's very interesting to see um, this basically general growth in the rate of space. I'm really happy that you brought up the 737 because I feel like growth is, has been very regional um, or not, not to say that you can pocket areas of the globe where you are seeing a flurry of new developments. And that brings me back to the 737 into Indonesia, where we've seen a lot of growth there. Robert, you reported earlier this week that uh, Rimbun Air took its first 737-800F. Uh, Tell me a little bit more about that. What does that mean for the airline and the region? Well, that's a great question, Drew. And then just to kind of, you know, add further detail to that, Indonesia has just been on a tremendous upswing for, in particular, the 737 freighter type. But to answer your question, uh, Rembom taking the 737-800 has now become the second operator to take the actual uh, next-gen freighter type and place it into service in that country. Uh, you know, it's a very, very uh, monumental growth spurt that's taking place with both the next-gen and the classics as not only Rembon has uh, jumped into the equation with the 737-800s, but we also have um, my Indo Airlines taking delivery of its first 737-800 on the Boeing conversion freighter platform. And then even in the classic variants, they continue to draw a lot of attention to the country with uh, recently Blackstone, Cardiac Air, and um, Asia Cargo Airlines taking in um, additional 737 classics as they look to try to service the multiple islands in the area underneath that country with the 737 freighter type. I remember speaking with Marco at Asia Cargo, and he did indicate that, you know, that aircraft is ideally suited to provide this type of service because there are so many smaller islands within that region that need direct service, point-to-point uh, -point service, and the 737 Classic still fills that bill for the most part. So um, we're seeing a tremendous growth in uh, 
genuine interest in the 737 freighter type, and I don't expect it to end anytime soon in the near future. I feel like this whole week was uh, all about Southeast Asia because, uh, yeah, not just Indonesia, but certainly Indonesia is uh, one of the the key markets in Southeast Asia. And I was going to say that it's also interesting, isn't it, that uh, Bluebird Nordic um, kind of rather suddenly um, is now jumping into uh, Indonesia as well and is setting up Mm -hmm. a new AOC uh, with both, um, according to them, 737 Classics and NGs, um, and potentially wide bodies, exactly, wide bodies at some point in the future too. Um, And then kind of moving outside uh, or or near Indonesia, um, in the Southeast Asian region, um, Vietnam and Malaysia, uh, both countries also featured um, in our coverage this week um, with Firstly, AirAsia um, in Malaysia. Um, of course, they had they tried um, freighter operations uh, starting last year with uh, with an ACMI or chartered 737-800 BCF. Um, and I always thought that, given their all Airbus fleet, that kind of seemed like um, an odd choice. Um, and so now they are going in the Airbus direction with. Um, their own uh, dry leased A321 freighters, P2Fs, from BBAM. Uh, and these are going to be operating for the, the logistics affiliate uh, Teleport. They told us that the first one is going to be based in Malaysia, operated by the Malaysia-based AirAsia, um, and they have you know all these divisions um, spread throughout the region. So uh, we'll see where the other two um, are going to be based. Um, and you know, Vietnam as well. Um, we had Viet Travel Airlines, which we also talked about last year, uh, almost exactly a year ago. They are now um, looking to get their first 737-800 um, by the end of the year. Um, but, you know, Andrew, that's not the only um, Vietnamese story that, that we've done, right? No, that certainly um, isn't. If you mentioned there, Viet Travel, there's also um, the freshly converted um, 737s are heading to IPP Air Cargo. Um, now, I, I, Vietnam is, it, it, it's like watching a race um, and you have, I, I, I don't have money on a horse here, but I, I, I want to see who wins because it's going to be up to the finish line with both Viet Travel and IPP Cargo who are expecting to put friends And Viet Jet. So, I mean, yeah. each of us can put money on one and then we'll see who wins. Who comes out number one. But you know what's very interesting, though? If I can just throw a, a little interjection here. I'm noticing uh, that a lot of these countries within the region, particularly Vietnam, uh, Malaysia, and Korea, as we referenced them this week, they're seeking to establish their own identity with their own cargo operators, particularly in the narrow body sectors. And that's what I'm gathering from this. What are your thoughts on this, Jeff and Andrew? What exactly do you mean establishing a, yeah, I, I their own identity? Yeah, I have no thoughts on anything, really. 
So as far as establishing their own identity, I mean, if you look at it, for the most part, those areas were more or less largely dominated by Chinese-based or Japanese-based operators delivering cargo air freight. Now we're seeing more of the smaller operators transitioning into this industry and starting to actually take on their own uh, aircraft capable of delivering freight within their own respective territories. Well, I think it's just because um, of the growth and of where the growth is. And, you know, Vietnam has been a bit of an anomaly because they have, even right now, they don't have a, a freight operator, a locally exactly. based freight operator. And so, you know, with all these, uh, and actually, apart from the three that are looking to um, use 737-800s, we have um, the national carrier Vietnam Airlines, um, which is looking at the Airbus narrow bodies, right, because they have that deal with ATSG for, for that sale, conversion, and leaseback deal with ATSG for, for two A321 freighters. Um, Hence my point, the local operators looking to establish their identity in this market, whereas Maybe before that wasn't even something they were wasn't willing to consider. So yeah, right. And um, I mean, if we can just extrapolate a bit, that is um, kind of a recurring theme that we've seen uh, in the last 10, 12 months, um, right? With all yes. these airlines um, that either weren't in the freighter space before or had pulled out um, are now, uh, you know, quite rightly, I think. Um, looking at the freighter segment more carefully and you know finally adding or re-adding um their own dedicated cargo aircraft um of course one potential question is with all of this freighter capacity coming in um and the market looking uncertain um, mm -hmm. in the months ahead what what does that mean but you know, and does it slow it the, down tremendously where there's more supply than demand? Yeah, well, these are big concepts and we'll have to address them at a different time because that is all of the time that we have for to for today. To those of you listening, thank you for tuning in for more multimedia content like this and to continue the discussion next week, find Cargo Facts Connect on iTunes and Spotify and check out CargoFacts.com. See you again next time.